I'm just going to talk about victory for the weak. Excuse me, I'll just have a drink. Um, we've just come to the end of our 7 by 7 prayer and fasting. And I don't know, if you're involved in that, I don't know about you, but I found that so encouraging to be around a lot of people that got involved in that. And, you know, every, every Wednesday night, consistently, there was probably 30, 40 people just through that whole time. There was no drop-off of numbers. It was, it was a strength of people here all the time. And if you couldn't make it, that's, you know, it's, no, it's not to feel guilty or anything, but, you know, next time, if we do that again next year, try and uh, come along. It's so encouraging to be uniting together with other people, praying for our city and praying for each other and praying for, you know, God's kingdom to, to be built in, in this earth. And, yeah, that was, it was an awesome time. And, you know, and you might wonder, why is prayer and fasting even a thing in the Christian life? Like, it's a strange part of the Christian life, isn't it? You don't eat food and you pray. It's like, why? But part of it, there's a number of reasons, but one part of it is because it weakens, it weakens our natural selves in a sense, so we have to rely on God more. So we don't have the fuel or whatever ourselves, so we, we naturally just instinctively have to trust God more, and it's one of the reasons why he does that so I'm going on here with other things I've got to, I've got to get into this um, so but yeah so that's part of the reason why why we have prayer and fasting and th- this this what we're talking about today is kind of a tricky truth it's kind of a difficult truth to get your head around because so many things in the Bible or, or in God's kingdom are upside down they're, they're backwards like it's the opposite to what we have in, 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 in the natural realm. So Pastor Kylie's spoken about this before. If you give, you receive. So in the world, if you get, then you'll get, don't you? But in the kingdom, if you give, you receive. If you become the servant of all men, you become the greatest. Well, that's... that's Flip side, but in the world, if you become great, well, you're great. But in the kingdom, everything is flipped around. If you're weak, then you're strong. Well, I thought it had to be strong to be strong. This is confusing. I see some confused looks on people's faces right now <laughs> looking at me. But hopefully I can explain it to you. If you die, if you give up your life, you live. This, this, see, the kingdom is all, it messes with your head a bit. It's totally topsy-turvy. It's the, it's, the, it's the opposite to what the world would say. In Joel 3.10 it says, Beat your plows into swords, your pruning spears into knives. Let the weak say, I am strong. And by the end of this message, I hope that if you're saying I'm weak today, you'll be able to say, no, I am strong. And... And on the flip side, if you're thinking, I'm strong, maybe you'll realise, or oh, actually, I'm weak. Sorry, this is, this is sounding like um, that pastor that came out of ACCI, that if you have nothing, you have everything. I'm not trying to be confusing. But. So, Psalm 33, 16. Uh, if you could put that slide up there. Thanks, Karen. 
Um, no king is saved by the great size and power of his army. A mighty man is not delivered by his much strength. So all deliverance and victory comes from God. So victory is available to everyone. And interestingly enough, a greater level of victory is, is there for the taking for the weakened, those that are weakened. So if we look, if we go to Judges 7, chapter 7, 8, 1 to 8, there's a story in here about Gideon. Now, if, you, if you've been a Christian for a while, you would know about Gideon. And Gideon is such an incredible story. I, I love the story of Gideon. God takes this man who is, in his, in his own sight, he's the lowest of the low. He's the most pathetic of the pathetic. He's the weakest wimp on earth, basically, is what he says of himself. But God takes this man and chooses this man and, and creates in him a mighty creates him to be a mighty man of God, to lead an army, and he anoints him. And it just shows that God, you know, so often we get in the way, but he'll choose people that are most unlikely to say, look what I can do. I can do anything. If I can do it in Gideon, I can do it in you. And so in part of this story, it says early in the morning, Gideon and his men, which was 32,000 of them, camped at the spring of Herod, the camp of Midian. Uh, the camp of Midian, which was the army that was against, coming against them, was 135,000. And they, was, they were north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. And the Lord said to Gideon, You have too many men for me to deliver Midian into, into their hands. In order that Israel may not boast against me that her own strength has saved her, announce now to the people... Anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left, while 10,000 remained. But the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. Take them down to the water and I'll sift them there for you. If I say this one shall go, he will go with you. If I say this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water. There the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues like a dog from those who kneel down to drink. 300 men lapped with their hands to their mouths. The rest got down on their knees to drink. The Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the other men go, each to his own place. So Gideon set the rest of the Israelites to their tents, but kept the 300 who took over the provision and the trumpets of the others. So here we see an event in the Bible. It's actually happened in history. And it parallels our Christian faith walk in a way. So Gideon is called by God. God says, you're going to deliver Israel. You're going to have, you're going to have this mighty victory that you're going to um, walk in. And so Gideon amasses this army of people around him that he can find, 32,000. He gets an army of 32,000 together. And then God does a strange thing. He says, you've got too many. So he's got 32,000 compared to 135,000. And God says, you've got too many. You're going to have to get rid of some of these. And so everyone with fear, all right, off you go. And then everyone who laps water like a dog, off you go. And so there's these two tests and it comes down that, 
you know, Gideon has 300 men left. And in our Christian walk, sometimes when you start out in your Christian walk, you can, you can be trying to amass, you know, you, you've got your own strength there available. You've got your own resources available. And you think, this is how I'm going to win the victory. But then you find, year after year, that you seem to be, God seems to be pulling some things out of your life. And you seem to be finding that there's a, you're getting weaker in yourself. And, and he does that for a very key reason. The reason he does it is so that our, we, we start to rely on him more and more in our lives. So there's a purpose for it. So when God wants to make us strong, he does a strange thing. He actually makes us weaker. He, sends, he, sends, he allows things into our lives that cause us to become more reliant upon him. And so our strength actually grows. That's the flip side of, of how things work. So we naturally think, now I've become a Christian, I should just get all this strength which should just be building and resources just should be building in my life so that I can do great things for God. And it's the flip side. He sends, thing in, sends things into our life that are hard maybe or a thorn or a difficult and we start to find ourselves getting lower and lower on our knees. And we, but, but at the same time, a strength grows in our lives. Strength just starts to grow and grow and starts to get bigger and bigger. So Gideon, he was actually stronger, way stronger with 300 men at the end than he was with his 32,000. And so if you're here today and, and you feel that in your life, you think, you know what, there's a weak, I feel like I'm just getting, I feel like God is pulling things out from my life, the strength, what I trusted in, what I, the strength I thought I had, it seems to be extracted from my life. Don't be discouraged, be encouraged. He's actually strengthening you and empowering you for the battles to come, for the, for the powerful victories that you're going to, he's going to win through you in your life. And so all fear and prideful self-confidence and trust in ourself and glory to our own strength and greatness must, must be removed from our lives so that all is left is a person with power, with, without fear, and with humility in all victories. Now that, that's a, a pretty big thing, but pride is such an uh, insidious thing. You, you don't even know when you've got it. See, the, the two tests that he gave, the first one was easy. It was like, who's, who's fearful? Well, everyone knows if they're scared. Like, it's not hard to know that. So it's like, yeah, I'm scared. Yep, see ya. I'm, I'm out of here. But the second one, he had to get rid of the pride out of the, of the army. But it was, he does this funny sort of thing, you know, go down to the water. He does this weird test. Why don't you just say, everyone that's proud, right, raise your hand. But we, do, but we don't know. We don't know if we are or not. I read something in C.S. Lewis. He said, if you think you're not proud, then you're really badly proud. <laughs> so we don't, we don't even understand. We don't get that. So he does this test and, he, and God says, you know, it's going to show up in this, in this um, test that I give. It's going to show up. The people that lap like dogs. See, dogs in that time were the, the, low, the low creatures. They were the and so those that understood that they were low in position compared to God, those that understood that they were reliant on him, that the hand of the master provided all they needed, they could go with Gideon. They weren't going to get there at the end and say, hey, look what we did, we're, uh, look how awesome I am. 
you know, and that's all that's so much in us. You know, we can if God gave us a victory with that in us, he wouldn't get the glory. We'd just be you know, it would just be I I I did that. I mean God, God helped a bit, but basically it was me. I won the victory and he sort of helped me along a bit. You know, that's how we would be. But he he wants that us to give all glory and honor to him because he is the one that brings all victory and so if you're finding yourself being weakened it's only so that he gets more glory and if he gets the glory then other people will come be drawn to him because if they're drawn to us they're not going to find anything if they're drawn to Jesus Christ they'll find life and they'll find all that they need in him so you know if you're here today look to Jesus don't look to a pastor don't look to, I mean, people can help you and you know, assist and all that sort of thing, but make sure that you build your life on him personally. Build a personal relationship with Jesus and he will strengthen you. He will get you through everything and he will bring you into Victoria's place. And so when we're, when we're strong, we trust in ourselves. When we're weak, we trust in God. So in 2 Corinthians 1, 8 to 9, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Even in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. So our natural tendency is to think that if the troubles and difficulties are taken away, we will be able to serve God better. That's what we naturally think. I think, God, if you took this away, if you took this difficulty away, took this trouble away, and gave me everything that I want, then I would be able to serve you better. But in fact, the opposite is true. Those difficulties and things that God allows in our life actually help us to serve him better. How does that work? But it's true. If they weren't there, we wouldn't be serving him as well. And so the Apostle Paul talks about this, um, this concept in one of his letters to the Corinthians church. So uh, as you would have read, he talks about his weaknesses or the things. Basically, when he talks about weaknesses, he talks about thing, he's talking about things that weaken him in his own strength and own ability to make him strong. And you can read about these in 2 Corinthians chapters 11 to 12 he, he goes through a whole list of things Paul goes through a whole list of things um, you know you can read through them there's just a whole list shipwrecked and you know uh, whipped and and uh, all these sort of things that that happened to him uh, but it keeps him in a place of humility and a place of power now Paul had a specific call on his life so um, if you think well is is that my call it might be but 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 it might be not. Like he, God has a specific call, and he, and what you what he'll give you is according to your power, uh, according to your ability, according to his giftings on your life, and what he's called you to do. And so, he says to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassing great revelations. There was given to me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away, but He said to me, "My grace is sufficient for you." For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, 
I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. So Paul got to this point of realisation and understanding. Now, it's not wrong to ask to be delivered from things, but he got to a point when, when he understood that Jesus spoke directly to him and said, in your, in your weakness, you are strong. In your weakness, I'm strong in you. And Paul understood this concept and he was able to endure what he endured because he was doing it for Christ's sake. So that, that has to be larger than what, what we may face when we're serving Jesus or taking up his call on our life. It has to, for Christ's sake, has to surpass that. So it's like, you know what? I want to, I want to see God's kingdom built on earth. I want to see people know Jesus. I want to see that to happen. That's my main desire and goal. So if that means this, well, I take pleasure in it then because I can see that it's going, I'm going to be more effective. I can see that there's going to be more fruit. I can see that, that, that more people's lives are going to be changed. If that's what's required, then I take pleasure in it. He's not some crazy guy that says, oh, I love, oh, you know, I like when I get, you know, chucked stones at me or I like when I'm lost in the ocean floating on a bit of wood for two nights. He's not, that's like psycho in a sense. But he's like, you know what, I take pleasure because I know that I'm being more effective for Jesus. And so that's how we can uh, embrace these things as such. And if we can come to terms with this truth, it will cause a great level of understanding and peace and contentment to come into our lives. Instead of trying to avoid difficulties, we can, in a sense, embrace them. So Jesus is, is our ultimate example. Jesus himself embraced his cross. And the, the event when Jesus embraces his cross is when he becomes his weakest. That's his weakest point in his life. His whole life was the cross. His whole life, there was joys throughout Jesus' life. There was victories. There was incredible things happening. You know, there, there was laughter, there was joy, there was victories, there was time with friends. It would have been an awesome life. That was taking up the cross. There's all those elements involved. But then there was also the element of the actual cross that he had to take up for us all. And that, at that moment when he, when he was hanging on that cross after being beaten and bruised and was hanging by those nails, that was his weakest moment in his life. But it was, in fact, the most powerful moment in all of history when Jesus died on that cross and then three days later was resurrected from the dead that was the single most powerful event in all of history taking place there and we see the son of man being weakened to the point of death you can't get any weaker than that and yet in that in incredible power incredible power was was released in a sense forgiveness was 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 opened up for everyone the 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 deliverance from sin and death and he opened a door that people can know god and 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 spend eternity with god and know a father that 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 loves them that wanted to bridge that gap but they but the the sin problem was was blocking it so he had to send jesus to take that punishment for us 
and open that door for us. But what an incredible event that was. Jesus dying on the cross, the most powerful uh, moment in all of history. And it says in Isaiah 53, 1-12, Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And then it goes on. It goes on about Jesus. This is, this is oh, I don't know how long before Jesus was on earth, but many, many years before. This is a prof- prophecy written in Scripture um, about Jesus would come. And after it's uh, and die on the cross and 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 be and rise again. It says about bearing our iniquities. It says about him being oppressed and afflicted and and all these things. A lamb led to the slaughter. Um, he was numbered with the transgressors. And it says all that after it says, "Who has believed our message? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed?" So the arm of the Lord in in the Bible represents the the power of God, the strength of God. And as I was saying, to whom has that been revealed? Because to see that, it, it takes a different set of eyes to see that, that the arm of the Lord in, in the cross of Jesus, in the death and resurrection of Jesus. It takes a different set of eyes to see that that is the power of God. God working powerfully on behalf of the human race. And in 1 Corinthians 1, 23, 25, it says, But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And so at his weakest moment, Jesus at his weakest moment was at his most powerful moment. He obtained salvation for mankind, the forgiveness of sins. He was lifted up to the right of the Father with all power and authority. And if you're here uh, today and, and you, you, know, you don't know the saving grace of Jesus in your life, then I encourage you with all that I am. It's not a dead, boring, dull life. And we'll get onto that. There's... The, the devil will try and trick you and, and say, you're going you're gonna to lose your life here, but he knows you'll find it. See, he's, he's deceptive. He, he, he lies, and he's trying to steal, kill, and destroy your life. He's trying to say, don't do it. He'll speak into your mind. Don't, don't give your life to Jesus. Don't follow that way. You, you don't want to do that. that. That's the common occurrence when people are reaching out, trying to find God. They'll hear that voice in their head. No, you don't want to do that. Don't go there. What will your friends think? What, et cetera, et cetera. And he'll try and get you to avoid that. But don't, don't listen to him. Press through and say, you know what? I'm, not listen- I'm recognizing what you're saying and I know that you're a liar because that's what the Bible says. So you're just trying to stop me from having true life here and abundant life. And so he, uh, Paul goes on again in 2 Corinthians 13, 3-4. Since you're demanding proof that Christ is speaking through me, he is not weak in dealing with you but is powerful among you. For to be sure, he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by God's power. Likewise, we are weak in him, yet by God's power, we will live with him to serve you. So Jesus was weakened, died, and was resurrected in power. That's what the Bible says. Yet he lives by God's power. And in the same way, it's the same for us. When we are weakened, in a sense, we die in a sense, and we, but we are raised in power. So we're given this power and strength 
in a place that's unlikely. But if we can see it, we're, we're, we're more e- we can more easily embrace it and, and not avoid it. And in Matthew, because there's times, as I said before, there, there's times when you'll be tempted to avoid the cross. If we look in Matthew chapter 16, um, it says, From that time Jesus began to show his disciples that it was necessary for him to go away to Jerusalem and to suffer many things from the elders, the chief priests, the scribes, and to be put to death, and the third day to rise. Taking Jesus aside, Peter began to rebuke him, saying, Be kind to yourself, this shall not be to you. And he turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me, for you do not mind the things of God, but the things of men. Then he said to his disciples, If anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever may lose his life for my sake will find it. So Jesus says, you know, come follow me and take up your cross. Now, we're not, let's not sort of mince words today. Let's not make it, you know, any, any easier than what the Bible says. Jesus doesn't say take up your, your feather bed or, or, or feather bed mattress and follow me or take up, you, you know, your, your, your lazy boy recliner and follow me. He says, take up your cross. So there's, there's elements of difficulty in the Christian walk. There's elements of pain. So we, we're not going to avoid that. We're not going to gloss that over. So if, that, that is part of the Christian life. Jesus said it. So we're not going to change that. That's just the way it is. As I said before, there's, there's incredible joy in it. There's incredible peace. There's incredible um, pleasures and excitements in it too. But there is the element that it is a cross that we're carrying. And so you'll hear, but you'll hear this um, about, you're probably even hearing it now as I'm, as I'm talking. You hear voices in your life telling you to avoid the potential difficulties and sufferings that intertwine with joys in serving Jesus. That shouldn't be you. Be kind to yourself. Take it easy. You shouldn't start serving or taking on troubling or difficult commitments for the things of God. You hear this voice, and it's a very subtle voice. And it's so subtle that it, that it can actually come through people. It, you know, even in church, it can come through people. You could be saying, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm thinking of, helping a kids church or something or I'm thinking of being on the band or I'm thinking of or whatever or, or going to you know I'm starting to pray for my workplace or you know I'm, we're starting to do some bible devotions a, as a family or something you start to you start to say that you say this is what I'm, I'm going to take up my cross in a sense I'm going to live out the life God has called me but then people will, you'll hear voices or you hear people saying you know what no nah, don't you don't have to do that. Look after yourself. Take it easy. Take a load off. You know, and that's what Peter was saying to Jesus. He was saying, not to you, Jesus. Not to you. He says, be kind to yourself. And Jesus turns and says, get behind me, Satan. I can recognize your subtle voice, Satan. Get behind me. I'm going to serve people. I'm going to love people. 
I'm going to give up my life for people. I'm going to see their souls saved, and you're not getting in the way. So get behind me. And sometimes you've got to say that to those voices. You've got to say, you know what? Get behind me. You, you, you're telling me to relax and take it easy? Sure, I, I can relax and have time within my cross walk. I'm not denying that. But you're telling me just to avoid my cross, avoid living out what Jesus calls me to do in my life? Get behind me. There's people's lives at stake here. There, there's, there's people that need me to live this out. So Satan, get behind me. If someone comes up to you, maybe don't say that to someone directly. If, they, if you say, I'm going to serve in kids' church, and they say, oh, why don't you go fishing? Or, can't hang out with me, let's go do this. You can say, get behind me, Satan, but you might, get a, you might get a slap in the face or something. I'm just warning you. Just, you, know, you can say it in other ways. Just say, no, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm serving Jesus here, so get behind me. No. <laughs> so the next time, so be, be aware of the devil's subtle voice in church or in your own mind. And what he does is he, he, he magnifies the difficulties and troubles that you'll face or are facing and he minimizes the great things in the walk with Christ. And he, and he maximizes the bad stuff and he minimizes the good stuff. And you know what? Be aware of that voice, but be more, be more aware that you aren't that voice. Be, be aware that you're not speaking that to, into people's lives. Because that's a dangerous place to be. If you're telling people not to serve, not, not to give their life for Jesus, not, not to, not to get, take up their cross, you, yeah, that's very dangerous ground. You don't want to be doing that. You want to be encouraging people. You, you want to serve, awesome, do it. Get, get involved. Be involved. Start praying for your family. Start believing for your workplace. Start serving on the door. Start doing something. Start taking it up. Be an encourager. Don't be a discourager of that. And, you know, there are times when, you know, sometimes people are, can be Martha workaholics. And, you know, there's times for godly counsel. They'll say, you know, if you're just burning yourself out, you know, just taking on hundreds of things, there'll be times when, God, you know, godly counsel, you can step in. And that, I'm not telling you that's the voice. You know, if Pastor Rob says, hey, just take a break, you're burning out here, you're getting frazzled, don't say, get behind me, Satan, please <laughs> do not say that. But, you know, there's times when godly counsel says, you know, take a, come aside and take a break with me, have a rest for a while. But, but stay engaged, but just, just have a break and recover. And so, the, see, the temptation, this, this temptation that, Peter, that Satan used Peter to, to give to Jesus is exactly the same as his first ever temptation in the Garden of Eden. It was a tree of life and a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the devil basically says, see, Adam and Eve could have eaten the tree of life, but the devil says, that's not the tree of life. He didn't say this, but essentially he said, this is the tree of life here. This, knowledge, this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, this will bring life to you. If you, if you, yeah, if you, oh, this, is, this will be heaps fun. You don't, don't worry about God's commandments. Just, just go out and just live a life and, you know, get drunk and party and just, just do your own thing. That'll be awesome. You'll find life there. 
And so he, he, he flips it and he says, that's, that's the tree of life, this life. Not, 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 the, not the cross life, not the Jesus life. No, forget about that. Look at this bright, juicy fruit here. Look at this luscious fruit. You want to eat that. And so he, t- he tries to tempt us, uh, but he's, he's just a deceiver. It's, it's, it's the switcheroo again. The, the cross life is the, is, the, is the abundant life that Jesus is saying. The other life is a dead life. And so, and, and there's another temptation that comes. And that's when you are living out uh, you, the call that God has for your life. You are serving in the way that he's called you to serve or what he's called you to do. And if you don't know what he's called you to do or what way you know, he would give for you to serve, um, you know, pray about it or, or you know, come to a, a, an altar call for prayer and often words will be given that will confirm and encourage where he wants you to go and what he wants you to do. And you know, he said, my yoke is easy, which means it's well-fitting, and my burden is light. So there might be difficulties and troubles, but he's not going to overload you with this massive backpack of weights and burdens. It's going to be well-fitting for you. So you'll find, hey, this, this fits good. I, I, this, I like this. This is a nice fit. You know when you get a nice shirt at the shop? You just get one that's just tailor-made. You just occasionally you get one off the rack and you just go, wow, it's like they've just tailor-made this shirt for me. That's what his, his, his call's like. It's just like, wow, this is just this is well-fitting. This is just fits me great. It fits like a glove. So don't, you don't have to worry about that side of it. Yes, there will be difficulties and crosses and things that you that you bear along the way, but it's just part of the process. And you know what? Let's not get a, oh, it's so, nah. you know, we get so focused on, oh, it's so hard, and, you know, oh, I've only we had, you know, more people, you know, and it's, we just start whinging and whining, and we start to get too focused on those things. And Jesus is saying, no, nah, just lift up your eyes. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. Like, yeah, there's some difficulties and troubles. The Bible says that when we get to heaven, just, we don't even think of them. They'll just be like, what was I worried about? You know? It's like, you know, I had two hours of sleep one night, and I was like, oh, I can't do it. It's too hard. Oh, I don't know if I can go to work today. And they'll be like, what was that about? So, you know, lift, lift up, let's lift up our eyes and just throw off those things. Yeah, stuff happens, and it's hard, and it's difficult, but just... Let's just throw it off and, and not worry about it so much. And so, but there, but there is another point. And so Jesus, he gets tempted before going to cross to say, don't take it up. Don't live out that life. Don't complete what God has called you to complete. And then when he's hanging on the cross itself, the devil doesn't stop tempting him. He says, those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, you who are going to destroy the temple... And build it in three days. Save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the son of God. And in the same way, people will call out to you. Save yourself. Come down from your cross. Josh, you, you're doing too much in youth. Come save yourself. Come down from the cross. It's too, it's too difficult. Come down. Go, go and re- enjoy yourself. That's, that's, that's the voice of the devil saying, come down from your cross. Stop, stop serving. It's too hard in kids' church. Just, just don't do it anymore. It's, it's, there's difficulties there, and you'll focus on them and say, you know, why don't you give up doing that? Why don't you stop serving? 
You know, you've got you to recognize that. So many people will drop out of areas because of those difficulties that come. Just walk through them. Just take them on and just go through it and just say, no, I'm committed. You know, Jesus, help me to commit to this. Give me the strength to just do this, to just follow through this week by week. Even if I feel tired or whatever, I'm committing, committing to, to what you've called me to do and I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to give up from that. I'm going to just walk it through until I see you in heaven. And you'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. And so the devil magnifies the difficult and painful things and minimizes the great and awesome things about serving Jesus. And you know what? Sometimes he succeeds in getting people to walk away from their call and serving of Jesus to come down from their their place, their cross, and and live what would say just a comfortable life. You know, there's people that drop out of their active life of faith. I'm not saying you you forfeit heaven, but you what, think about what you're giving up. If you give up that that service for for Jesus, you're giving up the the riches, uh, the rewards, and the and the joys and the satisfactions of serving Him. So, yeah, I'll I'll get the music team to come back up now um, as we finish up. Um, It's a fairly sort of heavy, meaty sort of word, I suppose, but hopefully you're encouraged by this and, Lord, and that you're getting strength from this, that we're understanding something better and we'll be able to walk, walk out our Christian lives even better after this morning. So don't be scared of difficulty or trouble in the midst of being a disciple of Jesus. Understand that the path of increasing power is the path of being in a weakened state. Let's learn, let's let us all learn to embrace our cross and embrace life, not avoid our cross as the devil would have us and embrace death. See, he wants you to avoid your cross and embrace death. But but embrace our cross and embrace life. That's where life is found in Jesus. He, he said it to us. So let's let's listen.